Now I want us to go now to John chapter 8, the Gospel of John, chapter number 8. I want to read what Jesus was saying to the people. And I'm going to begin with verse 33. Jesus is speaking to these religious folks, these Pharisees. And listen. They answered him, we are of Abraham's seed. We were never in bondage to any man. How do you say that? And you shall be made free. Because Jesus had told them the truth will make them free. Jesus said, verily I say unto you, whosoever commits sin is a servant of sin. The servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth forever. If the son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. I know that all of you are Abraham's seed, but you try to kill me because my word has no place in you. I speak that which I have seen with my father and you do that which you have seen with your father. They answered and said unto him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said unto them, if ye were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. But now you seek to kill me, a man that have told you the truth, which I've heard of God. This did not Abraham. You do the deeds of your father, deeds of your father. Then they said to him, we be not born of fornication, we have one father, even God. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me, for I proceeded forth and came from God, neither came I of myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech, even because you cannot hear my word? Now here's the verse. You are of your father, the devil, and the lusts of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. So, so notice the, the, the characteristics that Jesus applies to the person of the devil. Jesus understood we're dealing with some very real entity here. I'm not making this up. Jesus is telling these folks that your actions betray your spiritual father, the God of this world, governs your life. And because you refuse to believe in me, this is how I know you don't come from my heavenly father. You're not of him. Your activities, your deeds, your works, all of these have everything to do with the devil. Well, Jesus said in the Gospel of Luke, I beheld Satan when he was cast out. And then Revelation twelve twelve tells us that there was a war in heaven. Satan and his angels were cast out quickly cast out and says that since he was cast into the earth, he knows that his time is short and he's very angry. That's what scripture says. So this means that as a fallen angel, he's in this earth. He's very upset. The other fallen angels have been cast out with him. And we know that he goes about afflicting people. How do we know the devil does that? Let's go to the gospel of Luke. Chapter 13, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 13. Let me begin reading with verse 11. Behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bowed together and could in no wise lift herself up. So this woman essentially was like a hunchback, unable to lift herself up. And when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said to her, Woman, you are loosed. 
from your infirmity. He laid his hands on her and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. The ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath day and said to the people, there are six days in which men ought to work in them. Therefore, come and be healed, not on the Sabbath day. The Lord answered and said, you hypocrite. Don't each one of you on the Sabbath day loose his ox or his ass from the stall and lead him away to watering? And ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom, what's that next word? Satan hath bound, lo, these 18 years be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day. So Jesus pinpoints this woman's infirmity by discerning that this was a devilish thing. This was satanic. This woman was bowed over. If she had kids or grandkids, she couldn't lift them up and stand straight. If she lay down in the bed, she couldn't stretch her body out upon the bed. She was twisted up and Jesus comes in. He recognizes the devil's behind this and he laid his hands on her. Immediately she was made whole. So again, you have another story where the supernatural occurs. Now there are numbers of people who will tell you and you will read these things in a lot of commentaries. They will say wherever something supernatural took place, like Jesus walking on water, Jesus healing somebody who was sick, any kind of demonic manifestation. Jesus telling the disciples to catch a fish and in the fish would be some money that they could use to pay taxes. Those were all things that were made up. Legends. They're not true. Folks, if, if, if you can't believe these things, how can you believe he was born of a virgin? How can you believe he was really raised from the dead? How can you honestly believe that when he died on the cross that our sins were laid upon him and he bore those sins in our place, received the judgment and penalty that should have come to us? He received that. When, when we look into the scriptures, God is never playing with our imagination. He's never teasing us. These stories are in here for a specific purpose. And that is why the gospels are given to help you know that there's a difference between light and darkness, the sacred and the unholy. There's a difference between right and wrong, the curse and the blessing. There's a difference between what's up and what's down. And all of these things are given in the scripture so that your faith will be adequately, adequately placed in the right position. God never wants you to believe that there's so much evil in this world that this evil is greater than the power of God. It is not greater than the power of God. And one example after another demonstrates that the Lord certainly has, has power. So in John eight forty four, we have these devilish characteristics. In Luke 13 here, we see this also. <clears throat> According to John eight forty four, he said, you're of your father, that tells us that Satan <clears throat> spiritually has his own offspring. They listen to him. They bear his characteristics. The same way a child looks physically like their mom and dad, people who are devilish bear the characteristics of people that are evil. Remember, folks, for, for, for Adolf Hitler to walk this earth was for the devil to wear pants and walk this earth. For Idi Amin to live on this earth and do some of the things that he did was for the devil to live through a vessel on this earth. For Stalin to do some of the things that he did. For Saddam Hussein to do some of the things that he did in his life was for those individuals to open themselves up as vessels for evil. How in the world could somebody like um, Mr. Bundy Go out and kill people the way 
that he did, unless there's a problem. How could someone like Jeffrey Dahmer murder people and then keep their body parts in the refrigerator and then on some occasions chew on that flesh? See, there's something wrong here. This, this is more than a psychotic kind of a thing. We're dealing with some alien influences. Some of you probably remember the story many years ago of the lady, multi-personality lady. They, they described it in a book called The Many Faces of Eve. This woman had who knows how many personalities manifesting in her. One was a prostitute. Another was a lawyer. All of them had different voices. The doctors who were interviewing her could not understand how all of these different personalities and voices could be manifested through one human being. Because the the human race, and in many cases, preachers and other people, have no conception of what can live inside of us, you see. God wants the the Spirit of the Lord, and he wants righteousness uh, to be inside of us, but We'll, we'll deal with that here in a little bit with, with some more detail. Let me say some, some more about the, um, this characteristic of, of the adversary. When God put Adam and Eve in the garden, he told them not to eat of the fruit of one tree. The devil came and deceived Eve. In turn, Adam was deceived with her. And you'll remember Jesus said in John 8, 44, the devil was a murderer from the beginning. Now, there are a couple of different ways we can look at that. Number one, we can say, sure, Cain was of the wicked one. because The scripture says that. And the devil, he manipulated Cain into murdering his brother. So that the first murder that occurred in scripture was a sibling rivalry. One was jealous of the other. In that sense, the devil was a murderer. But let's consider this also. That when the Lord told Adam and Eve, if you eat of the fruit of this tree, you'll die. They had no conception of death. There was no death in the earth at that time. They had never seen a flower wither or wilt. They had never seen anything pass away. They had no need of any hairs growing gray in their head because everything was about life. But the moment they were deceived, things changed. The devil said to them, you will not surely die if you eat of this fruit. He misled them by changing the truth. And when they listened to what he said, suddenly death entered into them because of the fact that they transgressed the commandment of God. So he, in effect, has murdered them. Now, I'm sure he probably thought this would be a quick quick end of their life if they go ahead and I can talk them into eating that fruit because even though Adam and Eve had no conception of life the devil had no genuine conception of multiplication he had he had no idea of childbirth he had no idea on this earth that Adam and Eve were going to have some children because Adam had been created from the dust of the earth Eve had been created from his rib he had never seen a baby born per se, through the human race. But when the Lord said to him after Adam and Eve had been caught, the Lord said to him, the seed of the woman shall bruise your head. I'm sure he's wondering, what in the world is he talking about? But when the babies start coming, then he had some idea, and I'm sure that's why he went after Cain as strong as he did and with so much fervency. And when Cain murdered his brother, 
I'm sure the devil was quite happy that that occurred. Now, from Genesis right on up to the Gospels, the devil's been doing everything he could to destroy mankind. And if you look at every example in the Old Testament where he manifests, he's always trying to get people in trouble with God. Except Zechariah, when uh, the priest is standing with an angel on one side and the devil on the other side, but but he's always trying to get people in trouble. Now, let's, let's go over here to... Mark chapter 1, Gospel of Mark chapter 1. This is a very big subject. It's certainly a subject I enjoy teaching on. I've seen the devil stick his head up many times around the world and here in America. And I think things like this should be taught and we should know these things. In Mark chapter 1, notice verse 23 through 27. There was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out. Notice the description, unclean spirit. He was saying, let us alone. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Are you come to destroy us? I know thee who you are, the Holy One of God. So even the devils have the ability to perceive and know who Jesus is. Jesus rebuked him, saying, hold your peace and come out of him. And when the unclean spirit had torn him and cried with a loud voice, he came out of him. They were all amazed in so much that they questioned among themselves, saying, what thing is this? What new doctrine is this? So this, this devil has taken up residence in this particular person here. And you'll notice he's in the synagogue. He's in a religious place. You, you can have somebody who's full of the devil that's in church every week or in the Synagogue. Now, one of the best examples of recent times that I could give you connected with that was the um, this man down in Wichita, uh, BTK. That was what I think it was what it was called, BTK Killer. If you follow that, remember that when the story blew up and they discovered who he was, one of the things that shocked everybody was that he was on a church board. You hear me? He's on a church board. So don't don't think that inside of a sanctuary, just because people read the Bible and just because people are talking about God, that you cannot have some very, very perverted things going on. Okay, this man here had an unclean spirit and he had a voice that came out of him that 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 certainly uh, was was demonic. Now, that that does happen. A different voice can come out of. Out of people, I had that happen. Uh, one time I was praying for somebody over in uh, the East Coast. And, and I, I mean, I always get it mixed up. I had somebody standing in front of me. I can't remember now, now if it was a guy that I thought was a girl, if it was a girl that I thought was a guy. I just remember when this person was standing there in front of me, I started addressing them according to the g- gender that I thought they were. But I mean, I, I was wrong anyhow. I was totally wrong. Sometimes, in a spiritual sense, the devil can take up residence in a person to the point that he takes over that voice, and sometimes it's even a different voice, altogether different. I heard a preacher tell a story one time of being, I want to say in Michigan, he was in a large church, several thousand people. He preached, gave the altar call, prayed for people. After he was done praying for people, a lady came up to him and said, would you pray for me? And he said, well, how come you didn't get in line with everybody else when I was praying for them? She said, well, 
you know, I, I thought it would be embarrassing. I didn't want to come and get in front of everybody and have you pray for me. And so he, he said, okay, I'll, I'll pray for you. So the preacher, he stretched forth his hand to, to lay hands on this lady and to whatever he's going to say. But he said before his hand ever touched her, he said a, a, a man's voice came out of this woman's mouth. And that voice said, you leave me alone. I have a right to be in here. She was down at one of those theaters watching pornography, and I came into her there, and I have a right to be here, so you leave me alone. And, and then she kind of came back to herself. And uh, the, the preacher, he asked the woman, he said, who are you? And that woman said, I'm, I'm the youth pastor here, the youth pastor. And he said, that's not what that, that, that spirit said speaking through you. That spirit said you were down in the place looking at those triple X movies that you shouldn't have been watching and said he came into you down there she said well i i went down there because i knew some of the young people had been watching some of that and i wanted to have some idea of what it was they were looking at that's a youth pastor see attend a church in charge of young people and they had no idea that somebody full of the devil was in charge of that see it, it takes light to expose darkness and then chase it away there are some occasions where the devil is not going to manifest himself until he comes into contact with somebody that's greater on the inside than he is. Just being around religious people is not always going to provoke this kind of thing. But they get around somebody who really knows God, has contact with God, and some things can, can happen. Let's go to Mark chapter 5 now. Chapter 5. Don't get nervous on me. I'm just walking you through the scriptures. I want you to see these things because there are things that you see on television from time to time and documentaries and things that people say on the news. And I'm telling this, this is not merely a mental thing. Some of this is spiritual. It's spiritual. Mark chapter five. I won't read all of these verses, but let's start with verse two. Jesus was come out of the ship. Immediately there met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit. So this tells you somebody's living in a cemetery. Now, you know as well as I do, if somebody's dwelling in a cemetery, isn't that odd? That, that is what the devil does. He, he causes people to do things that are odd. Who had his dwelling among the tombs, no man could bind him, no, not with chains. If they needed to bind him, he obviously was doing things either to hurt himself or to hurt other people. Because he had often been bound with fetters and chains, the faint chains had been plucked asunder by him and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. So now we're talking about strength that is beyond human ability. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. But when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him, cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I adjure thee, beg thee, don't torment me. Jesus had said to him, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And he asked, what is your name? He answered, my name is Legion, for we are many. Now a legion was several, a Roman legion consisted of several hundred soldiers. Imagine that. If we have in this man hundreds of spirits, which we know we do because in verse 11, he says there's a, 
uh, there's nearby some swine, a great herd of them, and all the devils begged and said, send us into the swine. And verse 13 says, and the unclean spirits went out and entered to the swine, and the herd ran violently down the steep place, and there were about 2,000 2000 that were choked in the sea. This tells you we're dealing with a large number. Okay, Why would any kind of animals go out and intentionally drown themselves? This is this is supernatural and it's it's demonic. Okay, so the the human vessel. God does not want this full of the devil. He wants this full of righteousness, full of holiness, full of the spirit of God. But it shows you how big the human insides are that you can have multiple personalities and multitudes of spirits dwelling inside one person. One person. But by the blood of Jesus and by the name of Jesus, and by the authority of Jesus, even all of them together have no greater power than God. That's why we never, ever need to be afraid. Scripture says, whosoever call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But this thing is very real. Yeah, very real. And people wonder what it is that's taking place sometimes. Now, here, here's something that's interesting, too. Let's go to Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9. This is a child that's possessed, beginning with verse 14. When he had come to his disciples, he saw a great multitude about them and the scribes questioning them. Verse 16, he said, what are you asking them? Verse 17, one of them said, I brought my son, which has a dumb spirit. He's not talking. Verse 18, wherever he takes him, he tears him, talking about the spirit. And he foams and gnashes with his teeth and pines away. I spake to your disciples that they should cast him out. They couldn't do it. Verse 20, they brought him unto him. And when he saw him, straightway the spirit tear him. And he fell on the ground and wallowed. Jesus asked the father, how long ago did this come into him? He said, when he was a child. Oftentimes he cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said, if you can believe, all things are possible to him that believes. And of course, the child was set free there in verse 24, 25 there. Uh, it said, Jesus saw that the people came running together because he rebuked the foul spirit and said, you dumb and deaf spirit, I charge you come out of him and enter him no more. The, 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 you know, the thing that strikes me is the last few words of verse 21. It happened when he was a child. So that that tells you how precious these these little babies, and these little children are. Who, who would have ever thought that a a child could somehow become full of evil, full of the devil and the adversary could take advantage of them? But I, I'm telling you, I've met a whole lot of kids that I know were full of evil. I definitely tell you this story here. A gentleman by the name of Arlindo Barbosa of Brazil. True story. He was a powerful witch doctor. He worked in the office of the president of Brazil and in the ministry of war. And Arlindo was dedicated to the devil before he was born. His mother was a Macumba spiritist, and 
A few days before his birth, a reputable witch doctor came, and they cut the head off of a chicken, took that hot blood, made the form of a cross on that mama's womb, dedicated that child to the devil. Now, in witchcraft and in voodoo and places like that, sometimes they'll use Christian and religious symbols for what, what they're doing. The spirit began to manifest, this evil spirit began to manifest in Orlando at the age of three years. He could write prescriptions in Latin at the age of three. And sick people took these prescriptions to the druggist, and he could even read them. This man says there were no less than 300 evil spirits that manifested in him during his lifetime. He said there was one spirit. I'm not even going to try to pronounce these crazy names. He said there was this one spirit that made him eat meat that had been left out in the sun till it was rotten. He had to wash it down with olive oil. Another spirit would cause him to take crushed uh, glass and, and, and put it in a, uh, like a, another glass to, and just drink it as if it was some kind of a liquid. He said that it was one night a spirit manifested in him that was creating problems between him and his father. He came in at 2 a.m. His father said, what kind of an hour is this for you to come in? And the father drew his hand back to hit him. And that spirit said to his, his dad, if you're a man, you'll be able to hit me. But that man, Arlindo, said he watched as his father drew his hand back to hit him and his arm froze in place. Couldn't even move it. Couldn't even move it. Couldn't even bring it down to his, his hands. He said this one spirit that lived in him claimed to have previously in another life lived in an African who had died at the age of 165. Now you know as well as I do the devil's a liar. Jesus said he's the father, father of lies. Very often what's coming out of his mouth when he's speaking is not true. But he looks for people through whom he can use them in order, use their body in order to accomplish his desire. Now, in witchcraft, these devils, they don't believe in a born-again experience. These folks believe in reincarnation. That's why they'll tell you they lived in this person, lived in that kind of a person. In the end, the way that he was set free was his wife left him. She was terrified. His wife would say in the middle of the night she'd wake up and she'd be shoved out of the bed and her husband was, was laying next to her sleep and he hadn't even moved. So she got up one morning, couldn't take it anymore, and she just packed all of her bags, took all of the furniture, and moved out. The, the man, Arlindo, had to move in with his sister, who happened to live, uh, who happened to live next door to a pastor. Her sister, his sister went to a church. That pastor found out that a witch doctor was living there and came over there, and by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ set the man free. Now think about that. This man, Arlindo, traveled around America for years, with Lester Summerall and other people as he gave his testimony about how he was set free. But it began as a child. Don't say that bad stuff can't get into children. You've got to guard them grandbabies. You've got to guard them kids. You let the wrong influence get onto them, and it can be more of, of a problem than you ever ever even imagine and realize. You've got to pray strong over those babies. When you've got them grandkids and you're saying hello or saying goodbye, just lay your hands on them and say, I bless you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You don't have to say it loud. You can just whisper it. But for, for God's sake, be very careful about where they spend the night, who they spend time with. Yes, all, all of these things can, 
have, have great effects on them. In the book of Acts also, we have illustrations where the disciples confront the devil. Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. Oh, I'm telling you, I love this, this Bible study here. I've got everybody's attention tonight. Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. Look at verse number 16. It came to pass as we went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with a spirit of divination met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. So that tells you you can make a whole lot of money off of this. This girl had what we would call a familiar spirit. That means there are certain evil spirits that have knowledge, small body of knowledge of particular people and things, and they can use that to make money. The same followed Paul and us in Christ, and these men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. This did she many days, but Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the Spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her, and he came out the same hour. If he didn't believe the name of Jesus was powerful, he wouldn't have used it. If he didn't believe he had the authority to speak to the Spirit, he wouldn't have spoken to it. That's what what I want you to see. There are places in the big cities where you can go and you'll see signs on the uh, glass that says tarot card readings, come in. Crystal ball reading, come in. These necromancers who act as mediums talk to the dead. And you see a lot of people, they've lost a spouse and, and they're just so distraught by it, they'll go into these people with a crystal ball or whatever and then they'll sit down in front of them and then these people start acting like they're uh, conversing with the dead and bringing messages from the other side. There was a man on television for a little while in America that he made a boatload of money doing that. I mean, he, you would have thought he was operating by the gifts of the Spirit the way they would have the people, hundreds of people up there in these theater seats. He'd be on the platform. He'd tell somebody to stand up. They'd stand up and he'd say, I see such and such person give a name, see where they're working in such and such, such, and such place. And that person will say, yes, that's my auntie. And then they just break out and go to crying. Some people operate through a devilish, familiar spirit. Now, there is chicanery and there are the frauds. And there are a lot of fakes, but the devil is real. And, and he can deceive people to the degree that some people have no idea on this earth that it's him that's behind it. It says in verse 16, this woman was possessed, or this young girl was possessed with a spirit of divination. She had the ability to divine. She could predict certain things before they even ever came to pass. Acts chapter 19, if you notice, uh, verse 18 and 19. See, you, you didn't know so much of this was in here, did you? Look at here. Acts 19, verse 18 and 19. The, the revival has come. And, and notice, many that believed came and confessed and showed their deeds, and many of them also which used curious arts brought their books together and burned them before all men, and they counted the price of them and found it to be 50,000 pieces of silver. Think of that. They took the, the books of black magic, the books of sorcery, and had a bonfire. 
Don't just throw them away. Make sure nobody else can get to them and use them again. Don't just take that Ouija board and put it in trash. Just stomp that thing into a thousand pieces so that nobody can ever use that thing again. They set it on fire in ancient times. They, they understood this. Now, Paul and the early disciples were not so naive as to believe that all of this was make-believe. They knew this stuff, in many regards, was real. And when we forget that, it's, it's somewhat, somewhat shocking to us. I know it's startling to us when, when it occurs. Now, now, some years ago, Tiffany, when she was traveling with some of the more Roberts singers, they had to go over to South Africa. And on their day off, the principal of a school asked them to come and sing. So Tiffany and the group had gone over there. She wasn't feeling good that day, but yet uh, the leader of the group said they're going to go over there and sing, and so they did. So after the song service was over, the concert was over, and they're tearing down all the equipment and putting everything up, then a, a young girl comes up to the front and asks one of the other girls, said, uh, I keep having a dream that I married Satan. Had the same dream three times. I married the devil. Could somebody pray for me? Well, the lady called the leader over there, and they got to, they got, got to where they started praying for this girl. As soon as they got st- started praying for this girl, this girl just started manifesting the devil. Okay, just I'm talking about people falling all over the floor and all these kinds of things. Well, Tiffany, she saw somebody stick their head around, another little girl or somebody like that, and they asked Tiffany to go and see who that was. Little girl asked to be, she asked, she said, we've seen the devil's power, but we want to know is God's power greater than the devil's power. So Tiffany had a chance to witness to her and explain to her that Jesus is greater than anybody. And, and Tiffany led her to Christ. Tiffany comes back in, that girl goes away, she comes back. A few minutes later, that girl comes back with another girl. Tiffany goes back out there and leads that girl to Christ. So you got two now. Tiffany comes back in, and pretty soon they come back, and now you got a whole mass of young people out there because they, they're wanting to know about God and the reality of this. So she leads all them to the Lord. Now, you, you've got over and over again, you've got all these demonic manifestations taking place there in that in that auditorium or wherever in the world they were. But when it's all over, the principal had to confess, I asked you to come because I needed some help. Said the faculty in the school had introduced witchcraft to the student body, and the student body had just found out that in the student body, the kids had had kind of bonded together and made a pact that they were going to abduct one of their own fellow students and sacrifice the child to the devil. Now that's, we're talking about humans, folks. You, you, you would wonder how, how that even, even goes on. In, in the, the regions where I go preach over there in East Africa, can, can you imagine that they still sacrifice young virgin girls to the spirits over there? They believe that. That's why the gospel is so important, to go over there. The, the devil debases the human mind to the point that you begin to do what's unnatural and you believe that it's natural. In one of the last missions letters that I wrote for World Ministry Fellowship, I was talking about the, the need to take the gospel to East Africa. And, and I made mention in there how you, you'll have somebody, it'd be a wife, the husband will die. And then that, 
that, that wife will keep that man's body in that home and copulate with the dead. You can't tell me this isn't wicked, folks. The adversary knows exactly what it is that, that he's doing. So as a Christian then, our role is to understand the blood of Jesus comes to, to cleanse us of all sin. Jesus says, go into all the world and preach the gospel. He knew when he sent the disciples into all the world that they were going to encounter this. Now, folks, you don't see this every day. This stuff does not happen every day, but it does happen. It does happen. I've had numbers of services where these things happen. Sunday morning service, one time in Red Cloud, had a a girl fell out, just started having seizures right there in the uh, service. I knew it wasn't just a physical thing. I knew the devil was was somehow in the middle of this. Well, I had a bunch of nurses and stuff in there, so I told nurses, everybody come get around, be ready once I'm done here. I said, I want everybody, when I say in the name of, I want you to shout Jesus as loud as you can. And, and this girl, she's down there shaking, of course, and making sure she's not swallowing her tongue and all that kind of a thing. We did this fast. This all happened inside of about 30 seconds. I got down there by her. I said, in the name of Jesus, we're not going to put up with this anymore. You shut up. Peace come to this body. And then I shouted, in the name of everybody, shouted Jesus. And I said, in the name of everybody, shouted Jesus. And that little girl stopped shaking there in that, in that altar. Well, then I told them nurses, take her back to the Sunday school room, see what in the world is uh, going on, how she's doing. Well, you know, a uh, Catholic boy in that service had never been in a service like that before. Never been in a Protestant service, and you come to a church like that, and that goes on. That, that surprised you there. I gave that altar call, said, anybody want to get saved? That Catholic boy's hand. Well, <laughs> see, never seen anything like that. I was in Tiffany's home church where my baby was raised. After I ministered, we had brought these people down to the altar, started praying for people one by one. And uh, my brother-in-law was praying for people on the other side. I was over here. I mean, people just one by one, they just, I mean, nobody's pushing nobody. Nobody's, you know, pulling anybody down. They just started hauling when they started falling, I mean, people just started shaking and vibrating. All these things that you kind of see here in the scripture, you know. Talk about people foaming at the mouth, gnashing their teeth, all this stuff going on. And, of course, I, I've seen all this before. So I, I'm just kind of going from one person just praying, acting like it's normal. Other people sitting there, what in the world kind of a service is this? And what, what is all of this that's going on when it's all over, though? Some people got up out of that altar. Some ladies got up, stood there, and testified. God had set them free from lesbianism. Spirit just driving them. Inordinate lust. I sat down in that pew, and the rest of the people sat there and listened for at least two hours and a half as these women stood up there and testified about how they got involved with homosexuality. How they now been set free. Know how it all began? A family in the church wanting to do a good thing brought a young girl into that house of theirs to look after. That young girl introduced lesbianism to the other girl living in that house. Those two then went around and introduced it to the other young ladies in that house, well, in that church. By the time I got there, it was throughout the church. And by the time I was done preaching and probing and dealing with things and, and exposing 
the light to these dark places, then liberty could finally come. It could finally come. The reality of these things is that if the gospel of Jesus isn't proclaimed, then how are people ever going to be made free? They can be made free. I've got a whole lot of stories like that I can tell you when it comes to these kinds of things, but we'll save some of those other ones for another day. I just want you to know that I don't want to see any of those things here in Hebron. I've had young people say to me all the time, oh my goodness, that, that would be awesome to see. No, it wouldn't. No, it wouldn't. You, you, you don't want to be in, in meetings like that at all. Some of the ones that I've had, I've wished that I, I had, didn't have to be there. I've told my wife sometimes, I, said, I don't know why we have to have the oddest services when I go and preach revivals in different places. But I do know this, if at the end people are free, I'm happy. Yeah, because I'm, I'm not a guy that, that, that promotes a whole lot of sensationalism, but I'm not a guy that's going to run from the devil either. No, that's, that's not going to run from him. If he sticks his head up, then we'll say in the name of Jesus, be free and come out in Jesus' name. Come on, let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you. We're glad we can look into the text of the scripture and see a few things that maybe we had not considered. One thing we do know is that you've caused us to be more than conquerors in this world. We have no reason to fear the devil at all. Father, we're not going to be afraid of those that are involved with the worship of the devil. We're not going to be nervous about voodoo and witchcraft. We know that you have caused us to triumph in all things, Lord. You said, resist the devil and he would flee. Father, through a teaching like this, we can help equip the saints to know that we can believe in your wonderful son. We bless your name in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen.